0: I want to talk this morning, continue to talk about exposing the enemy. So if you open your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians, I'd like to hear those Bibles turning. Second Corinthians, chapter 10. Give me an amen when you get there. As you're getting there, we've been talking about this for a couple services and we're exposing how the devil works and what he uses to get into our lives. How many know we need to recognize how the devil works and how he um, tries to get under our skin, so to speak, or how he tries to get a hole in the, in the house through a door, through a window, through, through a, 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 an area in our lives where we put our guard down? And that's kind of what I want to talk about is, is understanding how the devil works so that he doesn't get a foothold on us. And some of the key words we've been talking about is, is that uh, obedience is of God, obviously, and rebellion is witchcraft. Okay, when we have a rebellious spirit, that is the spirit of witchcraft. And that's not a good thing, amen? And then the other thing is, so you got obedience versus disobedience. When you obey, God's hand's upon you. How many want God's hand upon you? Amen. Now, I believe everybody wants that, but how many know we can have that amen. if we have a life of obedience, So if we're obeying this morning what the Word says and what God says, then God's hand is over us. He's protecting us and He's keeping us safe. If we're disobeying, that's coming from pride. That's coming from disobedience. And so the other one is pride versus humility. God has called us to walk in humility. And whenever we begin to get prideful, that's when the devil begins to be involved. As long as we stay humble, as long as we stay on our knees, as long as we stay in prayer... As long as we stay seeking the Lord, God's hand will be upon us. And if you'll look back as we talk about this stuff this morning, in your lives and some, maybe some decisions you've made, whenever pride has been involved, that's when the devil gets involved. And, and we can't allow pride. And actually, you're in 2 Corinthians but, and, and stay there, but I want to read quickly uh, something from uh, Wednesday or the Sunday before. Just, just stay there and you can write it down if you're taking notes out of Isaiah 14. Just to remind you, the spirit that, that Satan had when he was cast out of the third heaven, uh, when he took one third of the angels with him. here's, here's the words, and this is in Isaiah 14:12 like I said, don't look at it, just listen to it this morning, write it down so you can stay in second Corinthians. He says, "Oh how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how are you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations, for you set in your heart and this is what I want you to hear. Satan says, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the Mount of Congregation on the far sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. You believe that, that attitude and that spirit? How many, how many, as you listen to that, could just even get angry? <laughs> to think... That somebody would be, try to be equal with God. That somebody would have a place and a position like Satan had before he fell as the, almost God's right hand man. And that he got to a place where he began to believe. And I talk about this a lot, in, especially in the ministry. We have to be careful to be always pushing down uh, things that try to raise us up. There's nothing wrong with telling somebody, man, God used you. There's nothing wrong with saying, great job. Those are are good things. As long as you take it and then you push it right back up to the Lord. If you begin to take it too much for yourself, you begin to believe what everybody around you is telling you. And you begin to believe, yeah, I am pretty good. I am pretty great at that. That was pretty good. And pride comes in and Satan begins to say, "Do you hear that? Do you hear how good you are? And that's what happened to him. He was probably up in heaven doing what he does and leading the worship and and, and being uh, the the most beautiful angel, the Bible says, in all of heaven. And all those other ones that probably fell with him were probably saying, Man, you know, why don't you do more? Why don't you you just become God? You're right there with him. And so there was probably some cheering on there. And kind of like we see a lot of times in ministry today, and some of these pastors that are so huge that have their own names on things, and they're not pushing that stuff back. There's a danger in that. And so the danger was, he began to say, you know what, I think you're right. He began to believe the the hype that was around him. And he began to say, I will exalt myself. I will ascend into heaven. I will be above the stars. And the word I is a dangerous word. Unless you're saying, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But if you say, I can do all things, and you don't put the through Christ who strengthens me on there, something's wrong. And so, I is not good. Like the old saying goes, there's no I in team. Right? It's a we thing. And we need to work together. And so, I just want to show you that spirit of the enemy this morning that's always going to, whenever you feel like you're in an I place, you're in a dangerous place, and we're exposing the enemy so we can recognize that this morning. Okay? So, now let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and look at a few verses here. The Bible says in verse 3, for we do not walk in the flesh. Okay, we can walk in the flesh, but we're not supposed to. We do not walk in the flesh. Sorry, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk according to the flesh. We know that we are flesh. We know that we are human. But God says, I don't want you to walk in that. Okay, I don't want you to be uh, acting like you want to act. He says, verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, meaning they're not physical, but they're mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down, this is the key, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. If anything in your life this morning is higher than God, if anything in your life is more important than God, if anything around you is trying to become equal to God, that is a spirit that you must destroy. And you must recognize it first. But I want to remind you this morning that, and this is a saying that we have, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Let me say that again. The road to hell, to destruction and separation from God, is paved with good intentions. How many know, how many have looked back on some bad choices you've made, and even at the end result was bad, you looked back and said, I had some good intentions when I started. Most people don't make mistakes on purpose. Most people don't backslide on purpose. Most people don't go to hell on purpose. They end up there because they began to make choices and decisions that were not godly, but they didn't recognize it. And one bad decision led to another bad decision, which led to another bad decision. And you add all those decisions together and you get trouble. You can make a bad decision in God and by His grace you can be forgiven and by His grace He can turn it around but you've got to stop the bad decisions and start making good ones. You've got to stop going down the path of destruction and turn around to the path of righteousness. And so He says, you do walk in the flesh, I mean you do live in this world but I don't need you to walk according to the flesh. I need you to walk according to the Spirit. So let's finish 5. He says, casting down every argument and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled being ready to punish disobedience we need to be active in punishing disobedience we need to be watching for we need to be it's not that we're afraid it's not that we're scared it's that we're wise and we're looking around and we're watching and we're making sure that we're not getting ourselves into a position or a place of danger. As I'm doing premarital counseling with couples sometimes, I tell them about the dangers of a man being alone with a woman. I, I, I am always watching. You know, you hear all the time the sad stories of pastors who fall in adultery. Any person is, is, is susceptible and is, is, is open to the possibility of making a bad decision and falling. But the reason they fall is because they don't watch their surroundings. And they don't make sure that they're looking for every area that the devil could possibly come into. And, 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 and sometimes it's common sense things. Amen? So, so just, just using an example. You have, to, you have to watch who you're hanging around with. You have to watch... Uh, the situations that you're in. I am always doing 360s around myself to make sure that I'm never caught in an area or a place by myself with a female. Amen. Even in elevators. Everywhere I go. If I'm, I don't go to elevators very much, but if I go to an elevator and I see a woman going in by herself or I see a woman in the elevator, I will wait for the next one. Amen. And I'm going to have to be at church. I'm just watching and making sure that I don't put myself in a position to be accused. You don't even have to do anything. But if you're alone with somebody, the accusation is enough. I don't counsel women by myself. I even have my wife or my daughters with me. And I always make sure, even in Costa Rica, when I would be over there, it didn't matter if it was an elderly lady. It didn't matter if she was a grandma. It didn't matter. Nothing mattered. I would not get in a car by myself with a woman. I've just watched myself. I'm just using that as an example that we need to be always watching out for what the devil's trying to do to come into our lives and make sure that we don't have any open holes. It's not a thing you have to walk in fear. It's that you walk in wisdom. Look at Billy Graham. He's 95 years old. He's never been accused of anything with a woman. Why? Because he does the same thing. I learned a lot from him in hearing about his ministry. When he would go stay in hotels, they would ha- he would have men go into the hotel rooms and make sure no one was in there before he went in. He would not go into elevators by himself. So he went all these years without the accusation of ever having an affair. Why? Because he watched out and knew the devil's plan. So some of these guys that fall, I don't think that they probably, as pastors, you know, wake up one morning and say, I think I'm going to have an affair and destroy my church. But they begin to put themselves in positions. Listen, if you're not alone by yourself, it's a little difficult to fall. I've never seen anybody have an affair in public. Hello? Just be wise. Things uh, that are, you know, when we we, we do uh, praise and worship in the morning... Our team gets here early. They get here an hour before everybody else does. They practice. And so we, we, electricity is expensive here. So everybody knows I don't turn on all the lights. So all these lights right here are not on, just the high lights and the front lights. And so when they're standing in the choir, they see me come out of, the, out of my office to go to the prayer room. They know what's happening, and sometimes they're not watching. And this morning, I turn the lights on, and poof, and they were like this. Lightness. Light always pushes away darkness. If you want to walk in the spirit, you walk in the light. If you don't want to walk in the flesh, you walk in the light. And light always pushes out darkness. And it kind of made me laugh for a second because those that went like this, I was thinking, that's what the demons do. Amen. When he see see Jesus coming, they turn like this. Amen. They don't like the light. How many want to walk in a way that you make the demons go like this? Amen. Make the demons tremble and turn away because light pushes out darkness. But listen church, we have a devil who's not playing games. He's real. That's not to give him credit, it's to get you to understand that he's not playing games. First Peter talks about him being a, like a roaring lion seeking whom he may what? Devour or destroy. That's a powerful word. Jesus said he that Jesus said he came he comes to steal, kill and to destroy. So we have to realize he's a real enemy. And so we need to realize that he hates us. And we need to recognize that when we're in a situation of attack, that that's the devil that's doing it. Amen. Amen? It's not our wife. It's not our husband. It's not a family person. It's the devil. Now, he can use people sometimes. And we got to recognize that. But don't look at your family member or your spouse and and, and say, man, you're the devil. (laughs) Amen. Because they're not. They might act like it sometimes, but they're not, amen? And the devil is not in them, but he uses people. And we need to learn to recognize that stuff. I want to show you a really good story in Numbers, if you'd go to the book of Numbers this morning. Chapter 22. How many have ever heard the saying, God can use a donkey? If God can use a donkey, he can use me. Right? Right? I'm not going to ask how many of us are donkeys this morning. Amen. But we, but we, we can be used like one. Amen. That means, it means it, it, the donkey is a stubborn animal. That's what's interesting about that. Donkeys are very stubborn. Okay. And they're hard headed. So if he can use them, he can use us. Amen. amen. Let's go to Numbers chapter 22 and write down a couple more things if you're taking notes. I want to, before I read this, Satan wants to dominate you. Okay? These are a few things Satan wants to do. He wants to dominate you. Numbers 22, right? We're going to read in just a second. He wants to dominate you. He wants to intimidate you. And he wants to manipulate you. Dominate, intimidate, and manipulate are not things Jesus does. Amen. Jesus doesn't do those three things. Satan does. And that is his goal Is to dominate you, say, how's he gonna dominate? Well, dominate you by fear, dominate you with doubt, dominate you with unforgiveness, manipulate manipulate you by manipulating God's word. By manipulate we we saw that in the garden when he came in and talked to Adam and Eve, and and he said to Eve, that's not really what God's saying. He, He he just knows if you you know eat of that tree that you're gonna be like him. And then here's here's what Satan attacks, God's word. We saw that in in, in, in Matthew 4 when Jesus was tempted and Satan came to tempt him. He attacked God's word. And he'll try to manipulate, dominate, and destroy God's word. He'll try to manipulate, dominate, and intimidate and destroy God's character. He'll try to twist. You know, whenever you hear somebody say, Uh, The words, God is not a God of love. They're manipulating his character. Okay? We have to learn to understand what the word of God is and what it means to us. And and whenever you hear something like that, you realize that's the devil. How many know we can win some battles if we recognize the enemy? That's what this whole series is about. recognizing. And the last one is, he tries to destroy God's plan. And that started in Genesis. The sin problem we have today was never God's plan. You realize that? And when Jesus comes back again in the second coming, start the millennial reign, then we'll see God's plan the way it was originally supposed to happen before we got involved, before Satan got involved, before I got involved. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your marriage. God has a plan for your family. God has a plan for our church. But we cannot let I get in the way. Amen? Whenever you've seen God move in a mighty way in your life, family, finances, uh, church, it's because we've been out of the way. And God has been moving. And God has been getting the credit. And God's spirit has been moving. And there's been a spirit of humility. There's been a spirit of unity. Whenever you have peace, we talked about this in Discipleship Friday. Whenever you have peace, it's because God's presence is around you. Whenever you don't have peace, it's because you're rebellious and stubborn. And I'm rebellious and stubborn. Amen? When we don't have peace, it's because of us. We get in the way. I stands up. and We must keep us down. We said this Wednesday, the way up to God is down on your knees. The way up to God is in humility. The way to be exalted by God is to humble yourself. Amen? Now, I wrote this down, I said this Wednesday too, rebellion is the twin of witchcraft. It's the twin, that word, rebellion. And we don't usually, you know, we hear witchcraft and we think of warlocks and witches Yet, yeah, there can be rebellion, in our, there can be witchcraft in our lives. There can be witchcraft in the church. Another twin of, idol, of idolatry is stubbornness. Right. Stubbornness. That's when we cross our arms and say, I'm not doing that. Right? That's stubbornness. Those are not attitudes or spirits that are, 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 are fruits of the Spirit. Right? Those are not things that God, that God wants to flow through us. He wants us to be willing, he wants us to be open, he wants us to be doing what he said to do. So let's look at an interesting story in the book of Numbers 22, and I want to read quite a few verses, so I hope you've got your Bibles there, so you can look at this with me. And this is, uh, how many of you have ever heard the name Baal? Okay. And have you ever heard the name Balak? This is in the Old Testament. And I want you to to read something with me, because this is really interesting. I believe by the time I'm done with this, you're going to be like, wow, that's amazing. This man, Balak, was in Israel, and he wanted to call for a man named Balaam. And we're going to pick up in verse 5. He sent messengers to Balaam, Numbers 22, the son of Beor at Pethor, which is near the river in the land, of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, look, a people has come from Egypt. They cover the face of the earth, and they are settling next to me. He's talking about Israel. Therefore, please come at once. And listen to his request. Curse this people for me. Please come at once. For they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to, def- to defeat them and drive them out of the land. And he says, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is blessed is cursed. Interesting. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee. With the diviner's fee. So he was going to pay money to Balaam to come and curse Israel. Departed with the diviner's fee, verse 7, in their hand, and they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. He said to them, Lodge here tonight. Now watch this. I want you to pay attention. Lodge here tonight, and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. So he says something good here. He doesn't just give an answer. He says, stay here overnight, and I'm going to go and talk to the Lord, and then I'm going to come back and give you an answer. How many know that's a good thing to do? Right? It's good to go talk to God before you give an answer about a big decision. So, he could have just said yes or no, but he said, no, I'm going to go talk to the Lord. Okay? Verse 9. God, in his wonderful character, asks a question he already knows. He says, Balaam, who are these men with you? Balaam said, God, to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, Zippor, king of Moab, has sent me, saying, look, a people has come out of Egypt, and they cover the face of the earth, Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. Now watch this. Pay attention and underline and, 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 and mark what God says. God says to Balaam, You shall not go with them. Okay? You shall not go with them. How many has ever had God tell you, don't do that? Don't go. That's not my will. Don't do that. No. God has three answers yes, no, maybe. Okay? When he says no, it means no. When he says yes, it means yes. So that means that when God says yes, there's a door that's open that no man can open or shut. And when he says no, it's a door that no man can op- open or shut. If he says no, it's shut. If he says yes, it's open nobody else can touch that door because he's God. Amen? So he says, no, you shall not go with him. And you shall not curse the people for they are blessed. Okay? So how many see clearly that that's an answer? But how many know that as human beings, we'll get the answer from God. And I'll be like, okay, thanks God. And then we'll go do what we want anyways. Or we'll go seek a second opinion. You go to doctors for second opinions. You don't go to anybody after God's given you an opinion. Amen? Amen. But watch what happens. So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, Go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. Now I see something very interesting in that. I, I want you to understand that when you read the Bible slow enough, you'll catch on to things. When I look at that answer, he should have said, go back to the land, for the Lord said no. But he said, the Lord has refused to give permission to me. See the difference? The Lord has refused to give permission to me. Meaning, I wanted permission to go, but God said no. See, we can be obedient sometimes and still be being rebellious watch that now watch what happens and the princes of Moab rose and went to Balak and said Balaam refuses to come with us so Balak again sent sent princes more numerous and more honorable than they so the devil says okay that wasn't tempting enough let me come back with something more tempting how many know when God said no it's still no no matter how tempting it is no is no And we need to learn to listen to the voice of God and we need to learn to be happy with God's will for for our lives, amen? We need to be at a place where we say, okay, God, I see that you're in control. This is not what I want. This is not what I do, but I'm trusting you, Lord. You said no and no means no and I'm going to wait until the day that you bring along something else or until you change it. But no meant no, okay? So he says, he sends more people honorable. Verse 16. And then they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus says Balak the son of Zippor, Please let nothing hinder you from coming to me. I will certainly honor you. Here comes a temptation. I will certainly honor you greatly. And I will do whatever you say to me. Therefore please come and curse this people for me. Balaam answered. Now here we go. Good answer. And said to Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver... And gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord, my God, to do less or more. Okay? That's a good answer. Stop reading for a second. Good answer. Thumbs up. Smile. Hey, good, good job, buddy. Okay? So he says, but see, we've got to understand sometimes we say stuff, but we don't really mean it. Or we don't have the right motives. Okay? This is a, how many know the longer you've been saved, the more you realize it's a heart issue. Everything's a heart issue. Is my heart pure with God? Is my heart right with God? Okay? I'm, I'm going to give you an example this morning, a personal example, I'm going to come back to this in just a second. Just, I like to use personal examples because they work. Seven, sorry, not seven, 1997, 1998. 1998, that's 17 years ago. How many years ago was that? 17 years ago. Me and my wife and Kristen and not destiny. She, she was, wasn't born yet, but she was in my mind. <laughs> Smile, Robert. We were here in Denton at another church. Many of you know that story. Serving God, preaching the gospel, doing God's will. I was in prayer, had good money, good job, Good business, good house, everything. It was good. Everything was good. And God said, I want you to leave all this and I want you to go to Costa Rica. That doesn't sound as good as good business and good job and a good church and good ministry and good city and all that. That sounds better. But God said, I want you to leave this and I want you to go. So I said, Yes. Yes, God, I'll go. Our problem a lot of times that we don't see what God really wants for our lives is that we say yes. And don't follow it up with another yes. And then don't follow it up with another yes. We say yes. And then that yes can turn into a maybe. Or that maybe can turn into a no. But when we say yes to God, God expects us to follow through. Right? No matter what comes along. Because here we see a second opportunity for, for more, more money, so to speak. And more prizes and all these things. And so this temptation comes along. And so I had already said yes to God. And some of you have heard this story. Many of you have not. But in the church we were in, there was an affair that went on with the pastor of that church. And I was his assistant pastor. And when he had that affair, he came to me and told me it happened. And I was thrust in at 23 years old, not even 24 yet, to taking over this church. And it was more than 200 people. It was a good church, a strong church. There was good finances in it. And I was thrust into taking this church over and and just didn't even know what to do didn't even know what to say except god can heal us and i don't even remember what i said but god began to use me i had to give i had to give the announcement what happened to the church can you imagine how hard that would be so i give that announcement and i take over my parents are there with us and i take over the church as far as preaching every service and all that and so a couple months went on and this was in september that i had said yes to god right Two weeks after I said yes to God to go to Costa Rica, this happens. Two weeks later. And so this pastor tells me this. I started taking over to the church, and we had December 10th, if I remember right, to go to Costa Rica. We put four months down the road, kind of like Pastor Dylan Nash is doing. We're putting a date. We're going. We're leaving. And all of a sudden this happens, and my mind is still, I'm going to Costa Rica. This is what God called me to do. I'm just here to help, take, you know, to help while I can. Well, the church miraculously, by God's grace... No one left. When I say no one, I mean in general. No one left the church. People stayed. And God was using me to pull this church together and keep it together. And so they had a a board of people in the church. Dad, were you on it? My dad was on it. And they came to me and said, you're doing a good job with this church. We want you to take this church over. Why don't you take the church over? You're doing good. They wanted to put me in as the pastor. Now, I've said this before. This was 17 years ago. The salary of that church was like $48,000 a year. 17 years ago. House, insurance. I've never had insurance to this day. Insurance, right? All kinds of cool stuff. So why I'm saying that is there's this great temptation before me to to say, you know what? I know I told God I was going to go to Costa Rica, but this is good. You know, Costa Rica was good. This is double good. This is gooder, as Pastor Andrew says. Right. So how many could see this is really important because this is for somebody this morning. How many could see that I could just very easily have said, you know what, this is still ministry. This is still God's will. These people need me here. And I could have said, yeah, I'll take this church. And I could have taken the permissible will of God. And I could have said yes to that. And I could have stayed here. and I could have took that church over, been in the ministry But what's the problem with that? There's still a yes hanging to God to go to Costa Rica. Okay, and everybody else knows the rest is history. We went to Costa Rica. I said no to that temptation. I said God called me to go, and that's what I'm supposed to do, and of course we went, December 10th, and the rest is history. The ministry's down there, the church is down there, and of course we know that that never would have happened, we wouldn't be here this morning. But I say that not even to talk about the fact that we're here this morning, but that we have to be really careful about when we say yes and no to God and following through with it. Because Balaam again says the right answer here. And and I want you to write one more thing down as I'm beginning to close with this story. Very important this morning. This is a fact. We don't take the things of God serious enough. And I don't say that in a way to make you fearful, but reverent. And I don't believe anybody in here would argue with me on that. We don't, as human beings in general, take the things of God serious enough. Because this isn't just some, you know, some thing we're doing this morning. This is, this is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. This is, this is His church. We are His people. This is His, His business, so to speak, that we're doing We're not just meeting together socially. This is God's kingdom. And I think many times we need to remind ourselves of that. And it needs to sober us up to realize, as we can get tired and we can get lazy and we can get, uh, you know, lackadaisical on things, to remember, I am doing this for God. Everything I do is for the Lord. Everything I do is for the kingdom of God. Amen? And that's something we have to defeat in the flesh. So we see here, let's read 18 again. Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God and do less or more. So that sounds good. Awesome spiritual answer. Spiritual answers don't mean a hill of beans if they're not followed up by action. Desire put together with discipline and action Fulfills the will of God. You have to connect desire with action. Or it's nothing. Okay? We can we all stand up here all day. I'll preach the gospel. I'll go. I'll do it. That doesn't mean anything. Amen? I'll, fi- I'll clean up the mess. We can say that. But what good does it do if you say it and don't go clean up the mess? Right? Y'all follow me? Fulfill the yes to God with action. So he says the good thing. Look at verse 19. Look how quickly it changes. Now, therefore, please, you stay here tonight that I may know what the Lord will say to me. Now, see, that sounds good again, right? What's wrong with that? Why is he seeking the Lord to see what he would say to him? When the Lord already said, do not go, you can keep that, do not go curse those people. Right? Y'all seeing that? This is, this is, listen, this is a really, really meaty message. I know that. You have to really be paying attention. Because you can read stuff like this and go, oh man, good job, Balaam. You're going to seek the Lord. But I see this as, if God already said no, why is he going to say, stay the night? What What should he have done? Bye-bye. Go home. God said no. That's no for me. I just told you silver and gold ain't enough. Go home. But what we do is we entertain and we host the devil sometimes. We're, we're, We're rocking upright and we have good intentions, but we don't follow it through because instead of kicking that devil out of the house, we give him a room. And we say, let me go see if God's changed his mind. (laughs) Let me go see if he's going to give me a different answer this time. Now watch, this is interesting. Verse 20. And God said, here comes the answer. God said to Balaam at night, If the men come to call you, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, that shall you do. Okay, you there? Sounds good. So God must have changed his mind. Or is God testing us? 21. So Balaam rose in the morning. Yes, he said yes. I knew he changed his mind, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. And what does the next verse say? Good job, Balaam. I'm so happy with you. I'm so glad that you listen to me when I tell you what to do. I'm so glad that my yeses are yeses and my noes are noes. I'm so glad that your motives are so pure. I'm so glad that you want to do the right thing. That's what the next verse said, right? God's anger was aroused. Why? Because he went. Now, this can be confusing to some people if we're not spiritually mature. God said, go. Go. But see, now he's not in God's perfect will anymore. Now he's in the permissible because God already said no, and he's just waited, and God will do this. God will get to a place. If, you're, if you just bug and bug and bug, he'll do just what a parent will do sometimes. Go ahead. I kept telling you, don't put your hand on the stove, but you keep wanting to do it. Go ahead. Go ahead and touch it. Tss. Cry. Hospital. Why do we do that as parents? Why do we do that when we know we got to take them to the hospital, we got to pay for the medical bills, because we know if we don't let them touch the stinking stove and burn themselves, they're never going to learn. Now, I personally cannot speak for you, but my character as a human being is I like to learn without the pain. I'm just not that way. I just don't need to burn myself to know that it's, if someone says that's hot, I'm leaving my hand off it. Right. Some of us in here, you know who you are, have to put your hand in it. And sometimes the other hand, too, to make sure it wasn't just one. Right. That's how we are as human beings. Don't be like that. Be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that he says, don't do that. And you just say, yes, sir. Because I understand that there's a reason why he's saying not to go. Now, I don't even have time this morning to get into the rest of the story. But the rest of the story, if anybody knows it, now many of you know this part. But you, I mean, a lot of times we know a Bible story, but we don't know the leading up to it. Right. Many people have heard the story that Balaam gets on the donkey and he begins to go. And as he's going, the angel of the Lord begins to oppose him. Okay, And the angel of the Lord gets in front of him everywhere he goes and stands there with a sword And Balaam is so blinded by his circumstances, by his motives, and by whatever else is going on in his heart that's not pure, that he does not see the angel of the Lord, but the donkey does. The donkey sees him. So at different places, the first place he sees him, he sees the angel of the Lord ahead, and the donkey does what donkeys do, stops, and doesn't move. Right, So Balaam gets mad. I'm paraphrasing the rest of the story. You can read it later. He gets mad and starts kicking the donkey and hitting the donkey. Then he goes on further to another place. And this is so crazy. God's grace and mercy is so good to us, but we are so hard-headed. We just keep on wanting to do bad all by ourselves. We just keep on wanting to find a way to get a yes when God said no. Learn to live with the no's. The no's are just as good as the yes's, because they come from obedience, and obe- obedience brings blessing. You, if you get what you want, you're not really getting what you want anyways. You're actually getting what you don't want, because you might get what you want for a moment. Here he is on his donkey and on his way. You might be thinking, I won. I beat God. I, I changed God's mind. Yet he's so blinded by the situation that he's not seeing the death angel, the angel of the Lord, with a sword drawn to kill him if he goes any further. And then he goes on to another place, and the Bible says that he can. There's walls on both sides. It's near a vineyard, and it's ahead, and he's kicking him to go forward. And the Bible says the donkey kind of bucks himself out and squeezes his feet against the walls and crushes his foot. He's like, I'm not moving. He's kicking him. So donkey does what donkey do. Bucks again. Crushes his feet. Balaam gets mad at him. What are you doing? And then the Bible goes on to say that God speaks through the donkey. Let's see that. God speaks through the donkey. Then the donkey, verse 28. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and said to Balaam, "What have I done to you that you struck me these three times?" That would be weird. <laughs> Shrek moment. I know everybody just had Shrek's voice, the donkey's voice go through your head, right? Eddie Murphy just said that. We've seen Shrek so many times that we just heard Eddie Murphy. And someone here could probably do the voice perfect, but I'm not going to try. What have I done to you to strike me these three times? And Balaam says to the donkey, because you have abused me. And he says, I wish there was a sword in my hand, for I would kill you. So the donkey says, look at this. Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden ever since I became yours? Was I ever disposed to do this to you? He says, no. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his so- drawn sword in his hand. And look, he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you. Why? Now here's the answer. We thought he was doing good, because your way is perverse before me. In a sense, church, he's saying, you're not taking the things of God serious enough. This is serious. There's a great time for laughing. There's a great time for crying. But please, take God serious. Amen? We're going to make mistakes and we're going to fail. But learn the best you can to hear God's voice when he speaks. Amen? He says, your ways are perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. Look at verse 33. Here's the grace of God in the Old Testament. If she had not turned aside from me. Sorry, it wasn't, it wasn't donkey from Shrek. It's a girl. Girl donkey. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would have also killed you by now and let her live. And then he goes on to say, I have sinned. For I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it now, I don't have time to go on this again. I'm gonna close, but I could go on. Idiot! Seriously, dumb, stupid, stupid. This guy is dumb. Really, he has crushed feet. He has an angel of the Lord standing before him. God has already told him no. Look what he says here: If it displeases you, I will turn back. duh, okay? If it displeases you, I'll turn back. So he's still, musicians, you can come, he's still, after all that, hard-headed, feet are broken, he's crushed against the wall, God's already said no, the angel of the Lord says, if this donkey wouldn't have stopped, I'd have, I'd have, I, don't, I don't know, how, I, I don't understand sometimes, I can get frustrated, How many things people have to... And you know what? We see this. We all see this in our lives. We see people that it seems like God blesses them so much and gives them so much and does so much for them and then they just turn their back on God. Haven't we seen that? Hasn't every person seen that? Doesn't that make you mad? It makes me mad that they would not honor the blessing from God like that. That they would... So easily turn away From all this goodness And we've seen this in our church over the years Many, many times And it's one of the most frustrating things You feel sometimes like that angel of the Lord You feel sometimes like that donkey I'm trying my best to tell you Don't do that But they're going to do it If they want to do it They're going to do what they're going to do It's hard, isn't it? How many people know someone like that? All of us How many people don't want to be like that? Amen. Amen. It's a powerful story. It's God saying, listen, I want to speak to you, but when I say no, I mean no. And if you step out of my permissible will, you're going to get permissible blessings. But if you walk in my perfect will, you're going to get my perfect blessings. Not any one of us in here in our right mind would want permissible will or permissible blessings. We all want perfect blessings, perfect will of God. But we have to make the right choices. And you have to make one right choice that leads to another right choice that leads to another right choice. This week I was able with Dwayne to say the sinner's prayer with the guy on the basketball court. And I said, tonight is church. You need to follow up this good decision with another good decision, followed by another good decision. How I many know that that's, that's where the blessing comes from? Is one, don't, don't be satisfied. Oh, I made a good decision. Make another one. You can't make one good decision and five bad. You're going to be in trouble. You've got to make a good decision, and then it's almost like you're, almost like you're walking on, on, on dangerous ice. You make a good, you get- to safe place, and then you think before you go to the next step. I'll make another good one. Another good one. With every good step you take, you grow character from God. It's crazy because you think, man, and if you read on to the story later, I mean, God used Balaam. He uses him. He uses him a lot. He used him even after that, by his mercy and by his grace. But what I wanted to show you in that story is how careful we have to be to not get an answer and then go around like kids do to the other parent and say, Can I have some candy? What did your dad say? He said, No. Well, why are you asking me? Right? We can be like that as Christians sometimes. God's saying, Don't do that. There is no, there, there's not a blessing in that. I am not. You know, the worst words you can possibly hear from God is, I'm not with you. I'm not there. How many know we've made mistakes before and we try to blame God and say, God, why'd you let this happen to me? God says, I wasn't even there because you walked out of my will. Not protection and not love. But he, you went ahead, just like here. He says, he says, go ahead, get on that donkey, and his anger burns. Because he's, can you imagine how God feels? If we get frustrated, he's better than me. He's better than you, amen? Thank God for his mercy. But can you imagine how he feels when he gets on there, on that donkey, and his anger burns? And so what he probably wanted to do was just kill him right there. But he sent the angel to stand before him. And he says, I can't get to him through my words and I can't get to him through the angel so let me use a donkey. And you'll see in your life sometimes that God use a donkey. Right? I've seen God use a donkey and I know at the moment when it happens I don't tell him they're a donkey. But I know God's using a donkey. Right? I'm thinking, God, this is a donkey right here. This is a donkey. And I'm going let to let you use him. Amen? You can recognize it.